we certainly have not been perfect on hiring, but some of the mistakes that you do make, it's, it's not that we're hiring for optimism, it's hi we're, we're screening against pessimism, right? You've got, you've got to find people that can disagree and commit at the same time. And they're generally pessimistic people aren't willing to disagree and commit. So that's, a, that's still a big part of our culture today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Our whole mission is making the world more productive. So saving people time through efficiencies and software. And ClickUp is a productivity platform where you can put all of your work in one place. Uh, it works for every team and every size of team. And we're not, uh, we haven't really chosen a specific vertical, so vertical agnostic software. Uh, generally speaking, for our customers are replacing multiple tools with our platform. So things like project management software, docs, knowledge base, time tracking, uh, collaboration, chat, communication, uh, a variety of workplace tools that you're able to replace in order to become more efficient and more productive as a company. And, uh, ClickUp didn't raise you know, money until about two years ago when it raised rather a lot of money. Uh, can you tell me about your experience of bootstrapping and would you recommend it? Uh, and wh when, when did you know there was the right time to go and, and raise a, a big pile of money, uh, several hundred million dollars? Yeah. Yeah, we were bootstrapped until two years ago. So we, we had started the company uh, with really just four or five people. And I, I always say that it's really important, I think, to raise as little money as possible when you're building the product stage. Just raise enough money in order to build your product first. Because I think you pay much more attention to every dollar that's being spent. I think you build a better product, too. You're more in touch with your customers. As soon as you raise funds, it becomes one of those kind of machines where you need to add sales, you have to add marketing, got to add customer success, uh, you have to add finance, HR, legal, everything that venture capital firms will push on you. And so I think it's, it, to be a great startup and build that incredible product, you really have to be product obsessed early on. And raising a, a small amount of money in order for you to build the product, I think, is, is definitely the best way to get there. The bonus is that you have and retain much more equity in your company when you raise at the stage of uh, after you've kind of hit product market fit, which is, is what we did. And so I think that's, that's the, the key to, to raising is, I mean, after you've hit product market fit is, is an incredible time to raise because you already have the product, you already have the business. Um, in some ways you have some credibility in, in the brand. And so you'll, you will get many more venture firms to give you opportunities. And I think that's the best time to raise is after you have product market fit and when you figure out unit economics. Unit economics really matter. I think nowadays there's a lot of tools like Stripe that can help you figure these things out without you having to build your own tools. But when you're ready to raise, you need to know where every dollar is spent and why and what a dollar will achieve for you as far as marketing and acquisition costs go. And Seb, you know, like your background is product. That's your passion. Yeah. Uh, how do you balance the responsibilities of, you know, being a CEO, people being reliant on you for employment, managing investors who put hundreds of millions of dollars into your business? Uh, like, how do you get that balance right? And, and how do you maintain that focus on, on your first love, which is product? I'm, I'm honestly still figuring it out. 
Um, but I think that there's, a, there's an element of deep work that has to happen, especially when you're a very product-focused person. I'm definitely a product-obsessed founder. And so I think you, have to, you always have to make time for deep work. I actually only have a really hard rule of only doing meetings in the morning. So I do meetings before noon every day. And then my afternoon is more catching up, doing CEO job, and then evenings become deep product work where it's less distraction, I'm much more mindful because I know that I've caught up with things. I don't have an, an interruption of another Zoom call that I have to get on at the end of the day. I think that's really important is setting, setting like very dedicated blocks of time for deep work. Like asynchronous communication is, you know, it's, it's definitely overblown nowadays, people talking about it, but it is really, really important um, to, to think about every meeting if it's actually important or not. Because I think most meetings end up being highly inefficient. We have a rule at ClickUp for maximum 30-minute meetings, and we also have a rule where you have to have a, an agenda ahead of time and ideally a pre-read ahead of time if there's anything that should be discussed asynchronously beforehand. And Zeb, you know, the ClickUp brand, it's fun, it's memorable, uh, and it, it's big. Uh, like, like, what advice would you give to you know, founders who are thinking of, 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 uh, of setting up their own brand and, and, and trying to... And trying to trying to really create it and push it out there. Yeah, I think at first you've got to do it organically. I think the, the really important thing about brand is differentiation. It sounds obvious, but it's being unique in some way about your brand. It's also ideal if you can kind of push through some of that personality uh, of a company. I think the, there's huge differences between B2B companies that market as B2B companies and B2B companies that market as consumer companies. And we've always tried to market ourselves as more of a consumer company, cast a really wide net, um, strike some curiosity in, in people. Like we always, you know, we said one app to replace them all is, is one of our big kind of marketing slogans. Uh, and people are like, what the fuck does that mean? Like they replaced my iMessage, my Instagram. Um, and that was part of, part of the, the trick, right? It's, it's all about striking some curiosity in somebody and casting a really wide net so that everybody starts to learn the brand, not just the people that you're targeting in. And so I think that's the first phase of it is really building that, the name of the brand. And then the second is building the why behind the brand. Like what actually is the platform? What does it do? And, and that's something that we're, we're still, still working on um, today. But I also think it's, it's about when you're starting a startup and you have competition, which the vast majority of startups are always going to have some level of competition, you have to punch up against your competitors. You have to appear bigger than you are. And a great way to do that is through brand. Brand is all about details. So it's everything from your homepage, making sure that punctuation is correct, making sure it's consistent design. I think you can really punch up through design if you have an exceptional user experience, and also just branding on your, your brand marketing websites, you're going to appear much larger than you actually are. And that's what we tried to do early on. And ClickUp already is, you know, 40% of its business, you, you know, is, is outside the U.S. Uh, how did you grow into and, and expand into Europe? And, and what advice would you give there? Yeah, it was surprising to me when we, we actually learned that uh, even just a year after starting, it was about 50% of our business was coming outside of the United States, and 30% and of it comes from EMEA right now. And that actually didn't change much when we added sales. So the, the breakdown actually happened when we were a self-serve product, product-led growth. So it all came organically. 
So for us, it was, it was a benefit of, it was, it's kind of like a, a bonus of when we did organic marketing, meaning like SEO, um, social content. Uh, we did a bunch of videos and knowledge <coughs> documentation for random articles that people were searching for. Those things are universal. It's not just people in the United States that are searching for it. So that enabled us to kind of just naturally scale globally organically. And then we have a virality to the product. You invite people to the product to use it with you. Uh, you assign projects and tasks to people and you communicate with other people. So that kind of happened naturally. And then, of course, we uh, you know, added on to it with supplementing a headquarters here in, in Dublin for sales and marketing. And we also have some, some other functions here as well. And Zeb, you've been meeting with your, your team here here in Dublin. Yeah. Uh, why did you pick it as your European hub versus, say, London or Berlin or, or somewhere else? We looked at all, all of the options. And Dublin, I think at the end of the day, it was mostly about people. It was, I think we have, there's a really high concentration of people that have experience here scaling tech companies into EMEA. You also have uh, a great kind of diversity of uh, na na native language speakers here. So we can kind of have this as our home base, but still have people that can speak, speak French, speak German, speak Dutch. And, and that was, was certainly a huge, a huge piece of this. And of course, the, the support and the ethos of the city feels like it's, it's a tech city. It feels like it's, it's really pushing forward uh, and doubling down on embracing and welcoming tech companies. And so that was all really attractive to us. And, uh, and it was a great decision. And Deb, we're, we're seeing, you know, like there's a bit of a, you know, there's a bit of a tech crunch at the moment here in Dublin. Do you, do you think that's an opportunity for a company like yourself to, to hire some great talent out of uh, some yeah. of the bigger companies here that may be scaling back? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's on, our, on our number one priorities right now is, is actually hiring in, in Dublin. And I think that there's, in any market downturn, I mean, this, this, this happens every 10, 15 years. It's always cyclical. And there's a lot of opportunity as long as you're looking in, in the right places. And there's certainly a lot of opportunity for talent right now here. And you've said, you know, that you, you like to surround yourself with realistic optimists. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that? And how does that impact your, your company culture and, and, and impact you when you're, when you're looking to hire? And I think when you're starting a startup, when it's really small, you have to have optimistic people around you. Um, otherwise, they, they wouldn't take a bet on, on a startup. And uh, we, we just we generally scaled that. You can't have unreal optimists around you all the time because then everybody's like, yes, 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 this is the right idea to do. So there's a huge difference between being optimistic and being able to be direct and honest and transparent with people. And so we have to, you have to counterbalance that. But as we've scaled, we've, we've kept that general like, spirit of, of optimism. We try, try to make that shine through in our, in our brand also. And you know, I think it's really, it's really important to, we, we haven't made, we certainly have not been perfect on hiring, but some of the mistakes that you do make, it's, it's not that we're hiring for optimism, it's hi it's, we're screening against pessimism, right? You've got, you've got to find people that can disagree and commit at the same time. And the generally pessimistic people aren't willing to disagree and commit. So that's, a, that's still a big part of our culture today. And Seb, you know, you know we've got a lot of founders in the audience. Uh, when you were, you were building ClickUp, you, you did a lot of things <clears throat> unconventionally. Uh, can you talk about uh, a little bit about having you know, the confidence to you know, wear a shirt like you are today <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, deviate, you know, deviate from the norm and be prepared to push yourself and the business out there. 
Yeah, there's, well, first of all, I have to wear these shirts now because it's, if I don't wear one, everybody gives me shit for not wearing a Zeb shirt. Like, what, what are you doing? I don't recognize you. Um, so I, like, I think the, the, the foundation of, of not being normal is, is at our core values, too. It's, we have normal fucking sucks as a core value, and so it's, it's meant to strike attention a, a little bit. But, I mean, the, the reality is we always try to look at everything through a lens of a real, maybe even a microscope in some areas of are we doing the right thing at the right time, and it, are we doing it just because other companies did this way? Are we doing it just because we did this at our previous roles? So we always look through that lens, but it doesn't mean that you do everything that's, that's, that deviates from, from normal. Like lots of things that we do still have to be the, the tried and true way, and maybe the, that is the best way, and many times it is the best way. Uh, but there's, there's so many things that we've, I think we, we have done, done very, very differently. Uh, and I mean, it, it goes from, from little things to where our, our headquarters is in San Diego and, you know, at a, t at a time when you really kind of were supposed to be in San Francisco. Um, we, we certainly never still haven't chosen a specific vertical or, or an, a, a segment to target. We still, we still seg as for our product goes, we are targeting, generally speaking, ev everyone. Go-to-market is able to, to focus on the segments and the verticals that work really well. Um, but we didn't. We never cho chose uh, a, a specific segment or or market. Uh, and so I think it's always just important to, to to think about why people are telling you to do something. Is it because they just they just have are used to that way, or is it because it is the actual right way of of doing things? And when you look at other businesses there, both in tech and outside tech, like are, are there companies that really inspire you in terms of company culture, the way that they do things, their their, their approach? Yeah, I think Amazon is, is a great company uh, that has really scaled the culture in, in many ways, but has also become and maintained efficient, hardworking people that are really passionate about getting things done. Um, and there, there's, there's a variety of tech companies that are still able to do that. But you know, the, the reality is that at ClickUp, like, we are all very passionate about building and maintaining product and, and working hard. And that's, that's a transparent thing about our, our culture. It's not, it's not for everyone. It's not the easiest thing that we'll all do. Um, but we like to think that we will grow the most during the journey. And that's another piece of, a, a really important piece of our culture is just growth. How do we grow every single day? Not just in our revenue, but grow in our personal lives and relationships and health. Uh, mindfulness, all of those things contribute to happiness. And so I think you have to kind of create that flywheel of 1% a day. And just one final question, Zeb. You know, like, like we've, had, we've had a lot of success here in Ireland with, with companies moving, moving, to the, moving to the States, moving to the West Coast. Like, have you, would you be aware of any of those companies or be inspired by any of, of them? And, and maybe have they helped you have a positive view of Ireland? Yeah, I mean, Intercom is a great example of a company that we used very, very early on, uh, even on my, my previous startup. And I think they're, you know, they're a, a perfect example of, of a company that's been able to, to scale and grow here and still maintain a, a great presence, but grow internationally uh, as well. So it's, 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 a, it's a great opportunity to do so, particularly, obviously, in the, this, this new kind of hybrid world where it doesn't matter where you are anymore. I don't think it should have mattered in, in the first place, to be honest with you, but, but that's the reality now, is that people are okay working for a remote company, or even a remote first company. And we, we have still roughly, we're about 50% remote right now, 35% in San Diego, and roughly 15% out here in, in Dublin.
Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.